Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Another episode of the Forgotten Light Dice Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the showboating in front of the turtle judge to my championship rank, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Hello, hello. Well played. No problem. Although you did misspell championship. Did I? Well, I read it as is, just in case it was a trap. Whatever. <laughs> I could play this game, too. Well, as always, thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys are helping us keep the lights on and the servers humming and the good times are rolling. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Jonathan, happy National Upsy Daisy Day. Ooh, and it has been an Upsy Daisy kind of day. So each year on the 8th of June, National Upsy Daisy Day is set aside to encourage you to face the day positively and to get up glorious, grateful, and gleefully each morning. So just do something that will spread some cheer to yourself and to others, such as leaving an anonymous note. Record a podcast? There you go. Although (laughs) we're doing this, you know, eight days in the past, but shh. We're planning our our national upsy-daisy day. That's just because we're good planners. There you go. Leave anonymous notes encouraging people to have great days. Make a donation to a food pantry. Every little bit helps. Give to yourself. Start a savings account or a jar for a rainy day. Or call a friend you haven't spoken to in a while. Whatever you want to do. And use that hashtag. Upsy Daisy Day. On social media. It was created in 2003. It's pretty new. Pretty new. That is a very young day. It is a very young day. Well, that of course brings us to the top of the show, which means it's time for our first segment, Off the Shelf. This is where we talk about all the wonderful things that we've had off of our shelves, into our tables or media players or video game machines. And more importantly... Taking that express lane right into our hearts. Robert, where do you want to get kicked off today? I want to share something. So thank you, Jonathan. We got ourselves some Reddit cred for the last episode of the podcast. Hey, hey. Boom for real. One said, by the way, I enjoyed your look at the scenario, the night floors on your podcast. Talking about it from a GM and a player's perspective was a cool idea. And the reminder to think of the whole campaign as a Lego set that can be used to construct an infinite number of variations around the central theme was a great one. Well, thank you, Boom for Real. Yeah. Yeah, Boom for Real 1. Yeah, good times. Boom for Real 2, not so much. We don't know anything about you. But Boom for Real 1, legit. I could look that up. I can look that up. But I won't right now. That that is just a sidetrack. Also, I can't remember if I, I mentioned it last time, but uh, Ray read some Delta Green copy. I think I, I think this is sounding familiar. Maybe I told you to listen to it. Regardless. You did. But I think that was on our board game night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that was on the show. Okay, there we go. I knew I had a headset on when I said it, so that, that was what was throwing me off. By the way, if you hear anything in the background, it should be stated that it has opened up here. So, Oh, is it raining? It might be a little noisy. Yeah, it's it's been on and off rain for the past, gosh, Almost a week and a half. Wow. It just opened up again, and it's supposed to be thunderstorms uh, all night long and then all week long without a single day without rain in the forecast through Wednesday of the week after next. (laughs) 
man, I, I do not miss that about Texas. Like, yeah, it is monsoon season. I got I got rained out on out in the lake today. I was uh, uh, out kayaking with a couple of friends, and uh, yeah, it just opened up on us. Luckily, we found a dock, and the water level is so low that we were able to sneak our kayaks under the dock and stay reasonably dry. I know, I know what some people are saying out there. I know people are saying like, "Well, it's just a little rain. What's the matter?" It it, it doesn't rain like people think in Texas. Like, it, no, it, it's it is a true monsoon season, like you would imagine in like a a, a jungle of some sort. Yeah, it's like it's it pours. Yeah, it's just it's it's friggin' awful. To, to give you an idea, one month ago I went out on the um, on Lake Travis, which is the big reservoir slash lake here. And since then, the uh, water level has gone up seven and a half feet in one month. Yeah, yeah. And th- that is not a small lake to be going up seven and a half feet. When, when you said it opens up, like, yeah, no, people have no comprehension of how it rains in Texas. It's it's frightening how much water. Dude, just it's like fall. movie rain. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about the first time I saw rain here in Texas? Probably. I think we've had this conversation on the podcast, but maybe we picked up some new listeners with Delta Green. So cheers, mate. Yeah. Do it. So, yeah, I I just moved to Texas and, you know, like where I grew up, it rained. Rain is a thing everywhere. Right. Right. And so I thought I knew how it rained. And I always thought, oh, you know, like the way it rains in movies, that hard sheet of water that looks like a waterfall. That's not real. That doesn't happen anywhere because I've never seen rain like that my entire life. Then I moved to Texas and I'm sitting here and like the first week or two that I'm here because I moved in the middle of summer and this giant, giant thunderstorm rolls through lightning like i've never seen before thunder like i've never heard before oh yeah oh yeah wall of water just a wall of water 10 times the worst i've seen in a hurricane scene in a movie it was amazing and it was coming in sideways because all the wind yeah it rained uh when i owned the shop it rained so hard once and the wind was blowing it at the door so even though um even though we were, you know, off, off, up the curb and there was actually a bit of a step up to get into the store. It was, there was still a puddle forming underneath our front door because the rain was getting pushed that hard towards our, our door. I don't uh, doubt that for a second, the way it comes down sideways sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, I'm, I'm, I'm quite digging this Portland rain. It is just quite lovely. Just kind it's of a very mellow rain. It is the man. Pacific Northwest. Yeah. It's good times. It's good. Good times. Not missing that rain at all. I mean, heck, we almost we almost couldn't play Delta Green because of it because their lightning was so well, bad yeah, last Friday. Like, like, we were we were out with, out of power for a while. Uh, Wes was what you know in and out of power. Brownouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nuts. Yeah, that storm on Friday, a full on microburst went through, uh, like tore a bunch of trees out of the ground and all kinds of stuff. It was yeah. a bad one. Yeah, don't miss that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to hell, buddy. Population you. Nah, it's okay. I, I Anything that brings more water means I get to go kayaking more, so that's not a bad thing. There you go. All right, uh, where do you want to begin? It's been a light week for me. Yeah, very light week for me, too. It's busy. It's been busy at work. You want to go in reverse? Let's go in reverse. All right. Uh, let's start with video games. Uh, not a long list for me. I played a couple rounds of Spellbreak, which is a free-to-play... You know, I've installed that game Shoot twice. PG? I get to the point where it's like, go make an account. I'm like, I'm not going to make an account on my PlayStation. And my my laptop must be like 15 feet away. I'm not getting up to do that right now. I'll do it later. And then I just never do. You know, I'm having a good time with it. It's it's very pretty. It's like if Fortnite had a baby with Harry Potter. I could dig it. And the whole thing was an anime vibe. 
I could dig it. I could really dig it. So, yeah, I I am quite enjoying it. It, There's some uh, neat mechanics with um, you choose a primary skill set, which is like a a magic type. So, like, I made a pyromancer. And then uh, when you're out there in the world, you're opening up chests and stuff looking for, um, you know, healing items and shield items and pieces of equipment to to skills uh, to skill you out and upgrades to your core skills, and then uh, occasionally you'll come across a gauntlet that you can equip on your left hand because your primary gauntlet goes on your right, which is which you you select, and then you can basically combine the two magic types. So, for instance, if you choose wind and fire, you can cast the super wind attack, which is like a a tornado, like a vortex, and then if you shoot your flame magic at it, it lights the whole vortex on fire fun or if you uh shoot the super from the 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 toxic style of magic it's this big giant gas cloud um of um you know poisonous gas and then if you shoot the lightning at it then the whole thing electrifies and and starts like shooting off lightning sparks everywhere you know that reminds me of uh back during wrath of the lich king days of uh, world of warcraft there was a mage spec where you kind of went down the fire and the frost tree and you became like a frost fire spec mage, and it was really fun. It was it it wasn't good. It wasn't the best spec to do because it was, but it was really intensive, and there you had a lot of buttons to press, and it was just it was a fun fun build. And I, if they if they make Wrath of the Lich King Classic, I'm gonna have to go do that again for a little bit because yeah, frost fire mage was fun as hell. I miss that. Yeah, man, Wrath of, Wrath of the Lich King was a damn good expansion for World of Warcraft. That was like the last full one I played. Like I got off the boat when Cataclysm hit. Well, this has been a pretty, uh, pretty fun free to play experience. Like, so I, wait, wait, wait. Is there frostfire spells? Too. Can you can you do frostfire spells? That's that's my main. Yeah, you can. Uh, uh, you can do a, a frost gauntlet on one hand and a pyro on the other. Mm, that's good. I may have to go do that and relive those glory days. It's fun, man. It, it's a, a really polished and really pretty game. Like it, it's very very gorgeous. I will it's give that a go. A shot, man. Like worst case scenario, you don't care. For and it, and, and they have right? they have a frost mage, right? Because frost mage was my thing. That was my jam back in World of Warcraft. I like yes, frost yes. You okay, can, you can equip a you can equip any of the magic styles as your primary. Okay, well, it's not like water. It's like actually like I lob ice at people. They have lobbing the ice at people, right? Yeah. You okay. You can do that. Okay. And okay. you can actually even create like tracks for yourself to ice skate on, like like uh, an X man. Mm, that's good. All right, I like it. Well, Jonathan, I've, I've got two video games I've been playing. First off, today was day 180 of my Ring Fit Adventure. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Still plugging along on that. I, keep, I, I, I bought this adjustable weight set to, like, you know, put some weights into the rotation. And I keep forgetting to put the next one in. And, like, every time I remember, I'm either away from them or I'm actively working out at the time. And it's just not the time to go do it. <sighs> I need to do that. I, I, I feel foolish every time I do it. Anyway. Uh, yeah, game continues to be fun. I am almost done with the game plus. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, maybe not next time, but definitely by one eleven, I'll probably be done with the game plus. That would be my guess. Yeah, and then there's the game plus plus, which I will tell you how it is. I, uh, I don't know. I'm thinking about just wiping my file and starting over because uh, yeah, the 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 normal game is a lot more interesting than the game pluses so far. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. Also, City Skylines. Oh, my God, Jonathan. I, I kind of like burned myself out on that stupid game. And then then they went and released two uh, content creator packs, which was uh, uh, train, trains, uh, train stations and bridges and piers. OK, so the bridges and piers 
is kind of dumb. It adds in like paths, which are kind of dumb anyway. Although it added in one that actually has lights on it, which before the only way to get lights on your paths was to do the, like the camping track, which had rocks everywhere because it was like supposed to be like a mountain path. But if you want little lights on your paths through your city, you had to use that one. So you'd have these weird rocky paths going through your city, which was kind of weird in some cases. But now you've got this rather nice one with these nice little park lamps. I like it. Um, but it also put in so you can like along your waterfront, you can put in um, I think they're called quays or whatever, but you can cement the sides of, you know, the your your river fronts and stuff to cement them for reasons as I guess. most cities do yeah so what it did though <laughs> and this is so dumb but it's so nice it added in uh quays or whatever they're called like that except it has a path on top that people can walk down and i don't know why that makes things infinitely more interesting in your city but it could, totally does to see little people walking down by the r- waterfront i love it it I makes think it me so happy. It probably makes it feel more alive, right? Yeah, more it does. Real? Yeah, especially because you tend to like look at the waterfront a little bit more because you know it's it's I don't know your camera tends to rest at looking at waterfront areas just because you can get a better view of stuff. So anyway, trains and stations though, holy god, that was a good DLC. So it literally adds in like five or six like uh, metro subway stations basically, and like another like almost dozen train stations. And they're really, really pretty and they've got really interesting functionality. Like they added in train stations that go across the road. So if you have elevated uh, metro stations that go across the road, they have a relatively narrow footprint. So you can have like a train station that goes across the road. It's really nice. And what I figured out I could do is I could attach that train station uh, on a road and then put the freeway to both sides. And then you could do that thing that like uh, Austin and uh, a couple other places do where they have like the train tracks running in the center of the freeway, which is just amusing. And oh, yeah, I, like Mopac? Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, so I've been doing that, and uh, they have some fun train stations. and uh, just it's Oh, oh, oh the, the best one is they added in this one that I, I like to call the pit, where it's a subway station that has five uh, connections in it, um, so, so for five separate, separate stops completely. And they it goes down into the ground. So there's two on like the basement level, and then there's three on basement two. And because it's a hub, like it's just super active. Like there's people running all over. And because it's kind of poorly designed, like sometimes people have to like go up an escalator, then like walk halfway down, and then go back down to get to the, some of the. But it just it, it there's just people everywhere, and it, it makes it really fun. It's like they're ants, Jonathan. And it, I, I figured out what it is about that game. It's not particularly hard. There's just something so satisfying about watching like traffic and people walk around and stuff you know i don't know what it is it's it's something that you created that feels live i can get behind that yeah so i uh the train stations one is well worth the money the piers and bridges is is okay it's got some it's got some stuff it's if it's got some like different types of like roads and whatnot which are kind of nice especially the it's mostly bridges so like the roads have interesting looking bridges and then they released two radio stations, which is a thing in that game. And the radio stations, I, I, I'm not liking. Their, their music is a tad limited, so it makes me sad. So there you go. That's my video games. So going in reverse order, up from there is we played more Delta Green. Yes, we did play more Delta Green on a dark and stormy night. Yes, yes. And I'd say it's fair to say things got a little weird. <laughs> Uh, I told you the adventure was weird. I told you. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm not the one you had to convince here. Yeah. No, it was nice, though, because um, the stuff that the night floor starts setting up, uh, this this one starts paying off, and it seems like everybody has been responding very well to the, the payoffs. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll talk about it more when we talk about that adventure, so I don't want to give anything away, I guess. 
But you had fun, right? No, very much so. Because of the shift in tone, I decided to play my character as if he had run out of patience for this entire thing because he's in way past his comfort level. And so I shortened his temper up a bit and he started showing the, the you know, result of that, uh, of that shift in tone. And uh, I don't know. I hope it made it more fun and exciting for you. <laughs> Always, Jonathan. It was nice to have you talk more. <laughs> well, I mean, he's not very talkative until he needs to be. I know. I know. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't like your character or anything, Jonathan. It's just you, you chose a character that doesn't talk much, and I want you to talk more in the game. So it's nice. It's, that is a welcome change. <laughs> well, he said plenty to that one guy. <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah, he tried to do the, the Joker magic trick. He was threatening it. Oh, I'm man. I'm going to make this pin disappear. <laughs> Ta-da! No, he didn't want to make it disappear. He just let him know exactly that at some point he's going to put that pen in his eye. (laughs) Bill's a man of his word. Okay. I'm just saying that'll be interesting. So going up from there reading, sir, what have you been reading? Uh, reading is like the one thing I've had time for, which I can't say much about TV or anything else. Um, I finished Dracula. Nice. I'd forgotten. Like I get to the end of it and I guess, Maybe this is a function of just too many Dracula movies, but I'm I'm still not 100% sure what Dracula's motivation was the whole time. Yeah, it's what I like about him, though, because he's... But he makes several comments that seem to indicate that he's been planning this for a long time and that this is something he wants to do, but he never really comes out and says why. Well, why would he? He's the only... Because everything's written from a character's point of view. Yes, I know, I know, I know. Like, if I was the victim of something like that, I'd want to know why. I hate to disappoint, Jonathan, but sometimes you don't always find out why. Sometimes you just have to deal with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's still a great book. And, man, like, mid-1800s uh, English uh, is is an amazing expression of English. Yeah, I got to talking to Wes about that book, and he was telling me that his English teacher in high school always said that that uh, book is a it's a victory of the modern versus the supernatural. And I argued that there is nothing in that book. They, they do not, it is not, what happens to that book is not a victory that what happens to that book is like dumb luck. And it's arguably, it's arguable that they didn't kill Dracula. It's very arguable, arguable. So, you know, because I, I, I sent him like one of the last paragraphs of it. And like, to me, it just doesn't, it uh, screw it. I'm going to read it. As I looked, the eyes saw the sinking sun, and the look of hate in them turned to triumph. But on the instant came the sweep and flash of Jonathan's great knife. I shrieked as I saw it shear through the throat, whilst at the same moment Mr. Morris's bowie knife plunged into the heart. It was like a miracle, but before our very eyes, and almost to the, almost in the drawing of a breath, the whole body crumbled into dust and passed from our sight." All right. First off, Jonathan injured Dracula during the day. He got he he cut him on the face and he carried that scar with him for the rest of it. So, yes, you can actually injure him during the day. However, it injured him. Also, with Lucy, like they had to behead her and they had her head, you know, like like her head didn't turn into dust. The brides, they they beheaded them. They didn't talk about the brides turning into the dust. Why did Dracula turn into dust? Oh, but Dracula can turn into mist. Maybe he just turned into mist, Jonathan. Nobody. I'm I'm with you. I don't think I don't think he's dead at all. I think there was always meant to be more. Yeah. And and the fact that they won again, it has everything to do with Mina Harker just collating all of their stuff like that is that is how they figured out what was going on. 
And if somebody, and that's not a victim or that's not a triumph of the modern. That is a triumph of one individual doing something smart and you win because of it. That's, that's not a victory <laughs> that, that, yeah, there was barely a victory in that book. It, you know, so I don't know, but there, here we are, you know, debating about a 125 year old book, something like that. 125 year old good book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, read Dracula, people. It's quite good. There's a reason it's a classic, Gina. There's a reason there's it's a classic, Gina. Yes, Gina, I'm talking to you. Read Dracula. <laughs> it's really good. So after I finished that, I read Sword of Legion, which is the next book in the uh, Galaxy's Edge series. And I am now about halfway through Prince- Prisoners of Darkness, which is the book after that. And then after that, I'm going to take a break from Galaxy's Edge because... Tonight, Robert, tonight is the release day for the new Craig Allenson book for Expeditionary Force. So I should have my copy of that in a couple days. Hey, Jonathan. Yeah. Do you like lying to me and our listeners? Do you enjoy it? Does it fill you with happiness to lie? Well, I live in the past. So when they hear this, that'll just be me living in the past. You said that The King in Yellow was two books down your list currently after you finished with Dracula. And you have read now two books so, past your list, and the Yellow King. The Galaxy's got Edge is a single volume. It's two novellas that are strapped together uh, into one book. Okay, all right. But I consider them separate stories, and so therefore report on them separately. But I am not incorrect. Okay. Uh, as soon as I finish this Galaxy's Edge uh, compilation, I will have a second book, the Expeditionary Force book, and then it will be King in Yellow time. Okay. Okay. All right, that's fair. Don't try and uh, don't try and make me the villain here. We all know who the true villain is. Yeah, Gina. <laughs> yeah, Gina. <laughs> that's fair. I'm going to allow that. Game on. Uh, so then, after that, uh, what about you? Reading? Finished up Casilda's song. It was good. Uh, female horror authors. It's interesting. I was just reading it. It's a different point of view that you than you usually get. There you go. That's what I've read. All right, well, then moving right along, it's uh, movies and TV. Um, looks like you and I have not spent very much time in front of the TV. I spent more time than you. I actually managed to watch Spectre, Jonathan. Uh, yes, I did not get a chance to. Like I said, it's been <laughs> crazy busy. I've had a, long, a lot of like 10, 11-hour days lately. I that know. should be chilling. Well, anyway, I, watched, but, uh, uh, I started watching Love, Death, and Robots season two. I'm nice. Not, How I'm deep are you? Not very. Uh, I think I'm like two or three episodes in. I'm only two episodes in, so that oh, puts hey. us pretty on par. D- did you do the one, the, the the old lady with the death robot? Automated customer service, I think is the title. Yeah, 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 yeah. I enjoyed that one. And then uh, I can't even remember what uh, the second one did was. Did you watch the, the frozen one, the ice one? I can't remember what it's called, but uh, where they're on the planet with the ice whales? Yes, yes. Yes, I did watch yeah. it. Yeah, those are the two I watched. That one was kind of meh. Some neat ideas, but not a whole lot to it. Yeah. Not a whole lot of depth. Yeah, well, what do you want for a 13-minute story? It was neat to look at. It was, it was by the same people who did the uh, the Zima Blue. Or Zima Blue actually had something to say. This one was just kind of yeah. there. That's the thing. This was just like an action set piece. It it didn't have much to say, if anything at all. Yeah, Frost Wheels were neat, though. <laughs> no, Frost Wheels were very cool. Uh, yeah, all I had a chance to do was watch uh, Army of the Dead, which if you have not watched it yet, I'll wait to di- to discuss it with you, because I have, I have thoughts. Oh, is that uh, Zack Snyder's new deal? Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's fun. You know I think wh- you like it. You know what I'm, I'm actually very much looking forward to? 
uh, Karen Gillian and uh, uh, Michelle Yeoh and a bunch of people. Uh, the uh, Cersei, whatever her actress name is, I can't remember right now. Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, they're doing a, a Netflix movie that'll come out in the middle of July. That's called um, Gunpowder Milkshake, and it's it's got a very definite John Wick vibe to it. But it's like about all these lady assassins, and it it looks kind of amusing. I, I watched the preview of it today randomly, and I'm L- like, Lena, Lena Head Hetty, yeah, Lena, Lena Hetty, yeah. Yeah, and there's a few other other ladies that are in it. Um, oh, actually, one you'd like. I, ma- I made note of it, and then uh, I can't remember the name now. That's weird. I remember thinking, like, oh, she's in it. Jonathan will like this. <laughs> and I can't for the life of me remember the name of the person. I just remember thinking that. What's the name of the movie? Uh, Gunpowder Milkshake. Let's see. Karen Gillian, Lena Headley. Angela Bassett's in it. That's it. Oh, I love me some, uh, I love me some Angela Bassett. Yeah. She's such a good actress. She's friggin' fierce, man. Yeah. Hey, maybe I should make you watch the uh, the preview for it during the break and we could talk about it. Because our second segment's going to be a little light this week. Oh, boy. Yeah. I thought she stole, anyway, yeah, I, I need to stole get... her scenes in Black Panther. And she was, I mean, she's been amazing in everything she did. But she was great in that uh, uh, Fallout, the Mission Impossible movie. And then I'll, send you the, I'll send you the preview. You can watch it during the break. We'll talk about it because we won't have much else to talk about in that. Not to mention, can I just say that it takes an actress with a certain amount of gumption to pull off Tina Turner, and she did it in spades. <laughs> that that is not an easy role to tackle. Like Tina Turner is a is a complicated physical lady, and like not any just any actress would be able to tackle a role like that and make it make it work. And man, she became Tina Turner. It was crazy. No, she's going to be Mission Impossible Seven. Yeah, yeah, I, her character's carrying over, which is great. That uh, what love, what's love got to do with it, man? That's the the only movie I can think of where I hated. Um, oh, for God's sake! I'm looking at his head, in my face, in my head. Yeah, she's married to Court, Courtney B. Vance, by the way, from uh, Lovecraft Country. I still have not watched that show, dude. You really I need to. I know. Really. I, you, I got. I got really so. I got so much on the slate, man. I, I I've only got so much Lawrence time. I, I still Lawrence haven't watched. Fishburne. I still haven't watched uh, season three of uh, True Detective yet either, and I've been meaning to do that for a while. Dude, yeah, you're leaving a lot I, of good TV and I, on the table here. Like you, you need to. Get I've, on been, that. I've been spending my time making cities with my little train stations, Jonathan. I, I don't have anything else to say. You know when I really fell in love with Angela Bassett, 1995, Strange Days. Yeah, I hate to say it, I haven't seen that, and I, I think I what? I, oh, it was on, dude, that okay, 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 okay. Great. Oh, sh- sh- it was on HBO. I think it's one of those movies where I've seen it, but I haven't seen it in one go. So I, I, my thoughts on it are very disjointed. But yeah, I've never sat down and watched it. Oh, man, that movie's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to it. It's on my list. Speaking of which, oh, 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 speaking of movies and such. Okay, I want to talk to you about the Stephen King thing now that I got you here because I keep trying to talk to you about it in text and, and it's too complicated because I, I, if I send you paragraphs worth of stuff, you just don't pay attention to it. So now I've got you. And, and you're captive. You have to listen to this with our, with our listeners. Okay. So there is a Bollywood movie uh, that is based off of a Stephen King story. Actually, one of them I really like. It's uh, uh, do, you, do you ever read one called Quitters, Inc.? That sounds really familiar. What's it's, the... it, it's about the one where they get you to stop smoking and they get you to stop smoking by basically oh, yeah, yeah, torturing yeah, 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 your yeah. spouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, there's a Bollywood movie of that. Um, it's called, it's called no smoking. 
And I, I want to put a Bollywood one on the list because, because we're on a journey, Jonathan. That sounds like a fun place to go. The problem is, A, it's not at my library, which, holy crud, am I right? B, it's not even on like Apple or like, like Apple or like the Apple movie app or Amazon. Like I haven't been able to find it there. The only place I've been able to find it is on like one of those channels you can get on like Amazon and stuff, which has like a lot of Indian movies. Now, they have a week where you can get a free preview for a week. But I didn't want to put this film on our list. Or if I put this film on a list, I want to put an asterisk next to it. Because if, if it's gone from that or if we can't get the free week or anything. Or if you don't want to do the free week. Would you be – how about this? If the only way we can yes, view this – absolutely. Okay. I'm, I'm there with you. Okay. But it comes with one asterisk. You have to remind me to cancel the damn thing and make me follow through with it. Because I'll forget. I will absolutely forget. And then I'll see the charge three months later and be like, oh, damn. Here's the thing. We're not going to watch it for a while in the Stephen King list because it came out in 2007. So who knows where the hell it'll be by that point. I think watching a Bollywood one is is where we should go because I want to go on a journey. And that one sounds like a journey. So, yeah, a a Bollywood movie based off of uh, Quitters, Inc. And apparently it's a bit of an action movie, which I could kind of get behind. (laughs) No, I'm down. Oh, apparently it didn't plan. it didn't do very well in India because it has a lot of uh, surrealism and dark humor, which uh, apparently Indian audiences don't like. Well, I, I'm ready to give it a shot if you are. OK, OK, I'll put it onto our list. By the way, have you have you decided because you, you you were putting on movies that you liked, but I, I, I kind of told you, like, take a step back. Look at a journey, man. Is there anything that isn't on the list that you've always wanted to see? Because you put on like 1408, which I'm fine with because I haven't seen 1408. Dude, I've seen 1408 since his theatrical run. So I. Okay. That's a long time removed. Okay. I remember enjoying it. I remember the Sam Jackson's in it. And I remember that John Cusack's in it. Other than that, it has legitimately been at this point 14 years since I've seen the movie. Okay. And what was the other one you were thinking about? I don't know. Whatever I sent you. What did I say? Okay. I don't don't remember at this point because I didn't put it on the list because I was trying to talk to you and and you never got back to me. Because I was sending you paragraphs of text. Like I said, it's been crazy. It's been crazy. I'm I'm not blaming you. I just, I bided my time, Jonathan. (laughs) Um, What was the other thing? The stand. Oh, uh, which one? The new one or the old one? Yes. You only get one. I consider that a full work. The new one. No. Let's do the new one. The new one? The one on Paramount Plus? Yeah, because I haven't watched it. Okay. Um, I could get behind that because at least it'll be different. I've heard mixed reviews, but whatever. Yeah, that's kind of why I'm curious about it. Okay, stand twenty twenty. All right, all right. There we go. And if you get the urge to hate watch something, come on, like let's 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 hate watch the the cat people one. Do you really want to put that back? Because I, I saw it. I got my hate watch out of it. Me and Gina hate watched that, and we had a good time hate watching it. I don't. I don't like, know if we it's need to so do that bad. Anymore. It's so bad. Jo- Jonathan, do you need an excuse to hate watch that movie again? Because I, I I need an excuse to hate watch the Lawnmower Man again. So I mean, I'm ready to hate watch the shit out of the Lawnmower Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you about when I saw it in movie theaters. You'll you'll laugh because this will date me. But yeah, uh, no. Let's let's leave it as is. Let's leave it as is. I don't know. Maybe our, maybe our, our noble viewers will put it on the list, and we can hate watch the, the Sleepwalkers again. Oh god. All right. All right. Okay. Moving on from from old business. Okay. Uh, that's movies and TV. So all we got left is board games. Yeah. Uh, I believe so. And that I've actually had a chance to play some stuff. And you and I have played a couple things together. Right. So um, we won't be talking about it right now because it's our deep dive, but we have both played Tidal Blades. Yeah, yeah. Our adventure through Welcome 2 continues, and we tried the advanced rules, and wow, does that change the game. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, it, they they added in a drafting mechanic, which I actually like. Don't get me wrong; I was bagging on it because the interface we were playing on with it. Sucked. That's the problem with the draft. Right, is the interface that we had. Like, if you played draft at the table, I think it would be a very different experience. Yeah, I agree, and I would like it a lot more because. Um, I, I remember Brendan or somebody was saying it's like, oh, that's the reason I didn't see pools for a while was because somebody was going pool crazy. That would have been me. Yeah, but that's the thing, like knowing who's upstream and downstream and being able because it's an open information game. You can look at what they're working on. Um, hate drafting is definitely a thing you could do in that. And oh, yeah. yeah, I I, uh, I I would like to play that around the table. If they, I, I'm assuming they have that variant in the uh, TTS version. Maybe we should play it where we actually can see things because that would be nice. Very different experience, surprisingly. I'm actually glad that our Welcome to Review got obliterated because being able to talk about those advanced rules with it would uh, be helpful, I think. Because it really does change up the game in a fundamental way, and it's good. Yeah, but I I don't know that I'd ever use the advanced rules with most groups. I could see that. But it's nice that the board game, it's light enough that you could just bring it out as one of those intermediate or, you know, those in-between games because you can play it quick. But if you have a lot of people who you've played it quick a lot, you can say, should we should we ratchet it up and play the difficult rules? And there's something there with that. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. So what else have you played? Uh, let's see. So we talked about Tidal Blade. Well, we're, we'll we will talk about Tidal Blades. We talked about Welcome to um, played some more Blitzkrieg. Nice. Which is a fun, fast game. Is that what you and Ray were doing last night? No, Ray and I actually sat down. We played uh, three or four rounds of Marvel United. Oh. And man, that game continues to be super fun. A, it's super easy to play and super easy to get a round of uh, without burning a ton of time. And B, it really does a good job of the um, thematic elements and capturing what it's like to be these Marvel characters. Because I play it as the Punisher, and the the last card that I played was the exact way that the Punisher would kill Venom, which is to say that he overkilled him and pumped him full of five rounds, even though he only needed one to die. Reminds me of when Deadpool killed Deadpool at the end of Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. And then I played as Blade, and Blade was awesome. Blade has a cool card that lets him um, basically draw an extra card, which is also your, your health pool, if you recall. And yeah. so it, it, it lets him be a vampire and basically, like... Uh, re-up his uh his health if he if, if he takes damage at any time well anytime he has that card available daywalker nice so yeah marvel united continue to be awesome we played with a lot of expansion content yesterday and man just goes to show you just how flexible that system is i mean you can mix and match stuff to your heart's content and you'll be at it forever before you run out of combinations well i think that's it we're done yeah I think that is it, which means that is the end of our first segment. So it is time for a quick break. And when we return, it will be time for our wisdom of crowds. Our diet-sized wisdom of crowds. Yeah, very diet-sized, but that's okay. <laughs> we love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by one of the following. You can become our patron over at Patreon. Search for Forgot My Dice. We also have a Discord page where we organize games and chat about all sorts of stuff. Find a link on our website, ForgotMyDice.com. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitters. Find us at ForgotMyDice. And of course, you can email us at FMDPodcast2016 at gmail.com. Or you can head on over to our website, ForgotMyDice.com, where all of our episodes are available, plus game reviews and other content. 
If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Last of you, for those of you listening in the village, call the operator, give your number, and ask for us to be put on the rotation. Robert, this, this needs to stop. Listen, I'll, I'll make you a deal. I will not make any deals with you. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. Oh, I'm going to cut his cord. And welcome back from the break. It is now time for our Wisdom of Proud segment. Our segment where we all cover all of the, or in this case, the very small amount of tabletop news that is in the industry. Because it continues to be quiet. Because nobody knows what to do with press releases. As none of the major cons are in their normal spot, doing their normal thing. It's a brave new world, Robert. Brave new world. Well, let's go ahead and get started with something a little closer to my heart. Renegade Studios, back in the news. Uh, They are making the moves, and uh, quite a a few of them at that. And they have secured a license from Hasbro. The Transformers license. That's right, Transformers, the deck-building game, coming out this summer. Designed by Matt Hyra and Dan Blanchett. It's a one to five player game, 45 to 90 minutes in a game, and uh, you can play it competitively or you can play it cooperatively. Regardless, you're trying to take out those Decepticons as the Autobots and accumulating victory points uh, with this uh, Transformers deck building games, and I am stoked. Also, fun fact, and I would do this because I'm doing this, if you pre-order your game from the website, a free promo pack comes with your order. What's the promo pack got in it? Oh, dude, this promo pack is dope. It's got Jazz, Sideswipe, Vortex, Sunstreaker, and Frenzy in it. I'll do it just for Jazz, man. Scatman Carruthers. Oh, those are the good days. I, I don't know who any of those Transformers are. I'm not a big Transformers guy, but I'm, I'm happy Jazz, you're happy. Jazz was the guy that looked like a Porsche, and he was... Uh, um, I'm happy you're happy. Dude, yeah, no, I'm s- jazzed. <laughs> Sunstreak was the Lamborghini Countach. Mm. Jazz was the Porsche 911. Sideswipe was uh, the uh, something red. It was supposed to be a truck. Mm. And Vortex was a little helicopter, and Frenzy was one of the tapes. In uh, yeah, 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 I remember Frenzy. All right, Jonathan. So last time we reported that Wizards of the Coast is opening up in-store play again. Well, they have clarified a few things, and I found this interesting. Basically, I'm about to tell you how Wizard is not being jerks right now, so bravo to them. So first off, when back in the day when I was running Wizards events, and I'm pretty sure it's similar now, um, basically stores had different levels that they could be at, and the different levels you were determined what kind of events you could run, and certain products, if you were a higher level, you'd get more of them. Like, we'd get these things called, I think they were secret vaults, or I forget what they were called at the time, but anyway, because of the level of our store, we would only get 20, and we were like the middle level, and if we were a bigger store that could run more events, we'd get like 100 or whatever. Um, and it's all orbits around how many uh, events you can pull off in a given frame of time. So you have to like keep your metrics up basically to keep your store level, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, they have basically said, retailers, you do not need to run in-store events. Those metrics do not mean anything right now. You are at the level you are at. Just do what you ever feel comfortable with. We will reevaluate this as, th- you know, we'll reevaluate that in, in, in time, but don't worry about that for right now. So yes, you can run events. You do not have to run events and do not worry about it, which I'm like, good on you, wizards. Good, good. Also, they say, they have said out loud, 
Retailers may impose additional health and safety requirements for entering their store and or events. So, yeah, basically, uh, they have let the player base know that it's like they do not have any official policy. If you, someone's going in there, it's like, well, I don't have to wear a mask and, it's, and I'm going to tell Wizards like Wizards is going to basically back the store up. If the store wants people to play, wear masks while they're playing, you wear masks while you're playing. And if they complain to Wizards, nothing's going to happen. So good on you, Wizards. Retailers may modify Magic the Gathering tournament rules and procedure as needed to provide a safe environment for play and ensure compliance with local health and safety uh, or health guidelines and regulations. More of Wizards being cool because, you know, maybe, you know, you have to run a smaller draft or, you know, weird stuff or whatever. So, yeah, more Wizards having your back. And last up, retailers may host in-store events for private groups. So, yeah, normally you couldn't have like a birthday party or something and like report it. Uh, as like a tournament or something like for specific types of tournaments and whatnot. It was all, I I forget the exact verbiage on it, but yeah, basically they're saying like, yeah, if you have a group that's like, you know, all quarantined together and they want to have a Friday night magic, that's just them. Like, you know, ordinarily you're not supposed to do stuff like that, but right now you can, cause it's the brave new world. So yeah, basically wizards being cool. I just like that. So I wanted to give them a shout out for that. Good on them. That's, that's fantastic. I mean, like that really is, putting the power with the retailer and that's that's the right way to be yeah, right now yeah exactly i'm really impressed by that those good 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 on wizard hey robert yes i want you to hear something hold on okay okay are you listening i'm listening did you hear that click mm-hmm that was my transformers pre-order happening oh okay bravo i'm really sir. excited i can tell i'm glad you held up the podcast for that power of editing <clears throat> remember earlier when you said that you're tired and you want to get through this as fast as you can and i said well don't fill it up with stupid nonsense this is exactly this is not stupid nonsense this is bringing the, the power of the matrix into my home shut your mouth okay all okay. right i have more news i have more news where did i put that window go all right the 2021 spilled yarn nominations are in They've been announced by the coordinator of the Kinderspiel jury, uh, Christoph Schlowinski, and Harold Schrapers, the Spiel de Jahr jury champion. So, Adventures of Robin Hood by Michael Menzel, Micro Macro Crime City by Johan Sieg, and Zombie Teens by Anik Lobey are just some of the many, many games that have been uh, nominated. Uh, I see Paleo, I see Dragomino, Mia London, Zombie Teens with a Z, so that's how you know it's, you know, serious. Zombie is spelled with a Z. No, at the end. Teens. Oh. Uh, the Kenner Spiel de Yard nominees include uh, Paleo, like I said, by Peter Rustemeyer. Um, Fantasy Realms by Bruce Glasgow and Lost Ruins of Arnak, uh, which was designed by Min and Elwyn. And I have been flirting with that one for a while, so I, I might need to pick that up now that it's a nominee. So, yeah, a lot of good nominees. If you want to see the full link uh, to the, the full list of nominees, there is actually the announcement video on YouTube. Uh, just look for the uh, Spiel de Yar channel, and they will have the full list of nominees there and, and how they were announced. It's a neat little video of the the um, 
properly socially distanced announcement. We haven't talked about it, but Gen Con is back on this year, September 16th through the 19th. But in a very modified way, right? So, uh, I remember I remember saying last time I wasn't going to talk about it because by the time the episode came out, the tickets would probably already be sold out. I don't know if that's true or not, but sure enough, there we are. Uh, but here, here's the thing. So, a lot of publishers have said they are not going this year to Gen Con because, you know. Yeah, there's been quite a few announcements in that, to, to, in that regard. So Asmodee, Asmodee North America, Ultra Pro, and Paizo have all confirmed they are not going, which are the, the big companies. Paizo especially. Um, and Wizards hasn't been at, at Gen Con for – has Wizards been – is that the one they skip or something? I don't remember. No, they were – Well, regardless – a lot of, lot of big companies, uh, and that's just the list I, I found not looking very hard because I was looking at my one website. On the other hand, a lot of companies have said they're in, including 25th Century Games, uh, Alderac, Arcane Wonders, Catalyst Game Labs, Chech Games Edition, Dwarven Forge, Funko Games, Gaming Paper, Grand Gamers Guild, Hatchet Game Studios, Indie Boards and Cards, Indie Game Alliance, Japanime Games, Kenzer Company, Norse Foundry, Pandasaurus, Artalsorian, Rather Dashing, Renegade Game Studios, TGG Games, and Zombie Orpheus Entertainment have all announced that they are definitely going. And it is going to be an interesting year regardless because a couple of the people have said because of the big publishers uh, not being there and not taking up a huge amount of space, like they've been able to get really large booths. And they're they're kind of like going like oh my gosh like you know we we we're, we got a lot of space and are kind of maybe not headlining but we're pe- going to be much more visible so it's an interesting it's an interesting thing like I don't know if people are ready for cons I guess some people are but on the same thing it's giving littler game companies a chance to kind of bust out a little bit so I don't know it's weird I don't know how I feel about it on one hand I'm I'm kind of anti con on the other hand it's kind of nice that some of the smaller companies get a chance to shine so I don't know I don't know how I feel. I guess we'll find out in September. I mean, who knows what September will look like at this point, right? True that. All right, well, moving on to our final story in our rather short news segment. Um, Portal Games has announced yet another expansion for Imperial Settlers, Empires of the North. This will be Empires of the North Egyptian Kings. It was designed by Joanna Kijenka with artwork by Roman Kucharski. So, uh, you do require the um base game to play this and it adds two more factions to empires of the north you get the hat ships clown or hat hat shepsut clan who are located in the nile delta and the amenhotep faction uh, whose deck is designed around the concept of passing the passing of time so comes with all new mechanisms uh workers that can be assigned to field cards um, a bunch of new decisions to make about how to, to, to continue play, and it will be available almost now. They're saying retail was available on May 27th. Now, last time I was at my FLGS, which was two days ago, it was not yet out, um, but it should be available anytime in the near future. Uh, and that's it. So, unfortunately, because uh, sometimes work gets in the way of play, I was not able to watch uh, Spectre for our No Time to Bond segment, so we are putting that on hold for this episode. Shame, shame. Guess what? There's uh, no year in the life either, Jonathan, because we did not have an episode out this time last year, which we will talk about next time. That means that we are at the end of our segment, which means it's break time. And when we return, it'll be time for our deep dive 
into the world of Tidal Blades. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back from the break. It is now time for our deep dive. And today we are diving into the ocean world of Tidal Blades. Before we get started, uh, we forgot to talk about it. You saw the uh, preview for Gunpowder Milkshake. Oh, yeah. That looks awesome. <laughs> it's like John Wick with a f- all-female cast and Paul Giamatti being a great villain. Like, how can you not love it? I like it. All right. So I, I wrote down this copy. And for some reason, it screams surfer bro at me. Do, do you have a good surfer bro? Because my surfer bro is weak. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like, you know, I grew up there. All right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. You were surfer. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So welcome, heroes. Yeah, man. Uh, many magnificent contestants have signed up for the tournament, but uh, only a handful will be chosen to join the Tidal Blades. That's our elite guards of our island realm. So to succeed in the tournament and be chosen as a title blade, I mean, like you need to compete in challenges, right? Uh, and these are held in arenas and you need to rise to the top of that champions board. You know what I mean, man? And you need to protect that realm from the ever increasing threat of these monsters, man. Like they come out of the fold, right? Like they're mean. Like you don't need to be mean like that. So in title blades... Each player like takes the role of a young hero competing to be named a title blade. And the tournament takes place over four days. By gathering the needed resources and signing up to compete in challenges and timing your arrival at different you know, at different islands, you can make the most of your hero's turns and rise in the ranks of the contestants, man. Each title blade will be judged based on the challenges that they've completed, man, and the level of their traits. That's like how sick they are, right? And they're standing on the champion boards and all of those monsters that they fought in the fold, man. So, like, that's Tidal Blades. I'm really stoked. Let's do this. Yeah, bro. Was that a single clap? Is that all I get? (laughs) That 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 was my that was my Shia LaBeouf clapping. Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Yes, actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Actually, as it turns out, he's kind of an asshole, but that's neither here nor there. Actual asshole Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, what a weird 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 world we live in. I know, I know. All right, sir. So, how do we play this game? Title Blades is kind of interesting. Basically, uh, your game area it consists of a series of islands, and each of these islands has action spaces on it. So at the start of the game, you are going to pick a character, and these characters have some asymmetrical powers. Yeah, I was the, I was the gator dude, right? You were the gator dude, man. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, right. And then you, who are you? <laughs> who am I, man? I was like, classic surfer, bro. No, who are you really? Because they're all animal people. Uh, I they're- can't remember, right? Okay. No, I didn't have an animal person. I had a person person. Oh, okay. Your character's name was Cayman. I remember that much. 
Well, it's a, it's a pun based off of, you know, the gator person. Yeah, man. Like you had sharp teeth and stuff, man. Uh, dust. I was dust. Who's <laughs> All we are, dude, is dust in the wind. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like I heard the first version of that song was like rocks on the shore, but they thought it would take too long for the emotional impact to hit, you know, because rocks take forever to wear down. Dust in the wind, man. That's like instant. It's to the heart, man. All right, really? all right, all right. Stop, stop, stop. Focus, hey man. You, you did this to us, man. You brought us here. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, you pick a character. There's asymmetrical decks, which mean that your characters have asymmetrical powers. And then you have a series of islands in front of you. And you basically send your character using a very limited amount of actions uh, to the different spots on those islands to um, initiate different actions. Think Lords of Waterdeep. So, yes, think, for instance... <coughs> think heavy Lords of Waterdeep. Heavy. So, for instance, you might send somebody to, to the Chronesium. That is an island where... Um, Things happen. <laughs> and um, that island's kind of unique because it's one of the only places where you can get these things called stunt cards. And stunt cards allow you to basically bend the rules of the game a bit at any given time. Uh, it's also one of the only places where you can get additional dice uh, for combat. And, and we'll get to combat in a little bit. But you send your character there. You place down one of your action discs. That lets you know how many actions you take. Uh, It should be said that the game is played across four rounds. In round one, you'll only have two actions. Rounds two and three, you will have three actions. And then finally, in round four, you will be unleashed with your maximum four actions. And then you you get an opportunity to do the thing that that space tells you to do. Now, along with whatever you do on that island in the space, you also get the island's natural buff, uh, which is generally going to be another action of some sort. For instance, if you go to the island called Citadels of Time, uh, you will have the opportunity to purchase two uh, challenge cards just by visiting that island, regardless of which space on that island you go to. Uh, the challenges are important because these are cards that will have symbols on them, and this is where the dice begin to come in. Because when you go to some of the islands, um, and they will have a big symbol on them letting you know what, what they are, Uh, These islands contain arenas, and at arenas, you can take um, part in these challenge cards. And what you do is you choose a card with the exact same symbol as the arena you happen to be in, and you attempt to uh, roll dice to get the symbols that you need to complete that challenge. Some of the challenges will even have extra symbols on them called push symbols, which let you um, get extra resources out of a a successful uh, challenge. Now, to do the challenge, you'll have a a bunch of dice that you'll roll. You start the game with uh, two what are called novice dice. These are basic dice. They have the symbols on them, but there's only one of each symbol on them, uh, and therefore getting getting the symbols you need can be kind of difficult. Uh, You combine those with a difficulty die, and that difficulty die goes up in difficulty based on the round that you're in, and then you roll everything together, and you can do re-rolls as much as you need as long as you don't mind taking a little bit of damage. That's where the difficulty die comes in. That's that's what rolls the damage up. If you do take damage, you have something called a shell shield. And that shell shield allows you to take shells and apply them to the shield. Um, and shells are one of the many, many things that you can collect by visiting spaces. 
as long as you don't run out of shells to put on your shield, you will eventually be in a position where you get you have to give up on the challenge because you are out of shields and you you don't have the ability to roll anymore. Because if you roll and take a damage when you don't have a shell shield active, you will lose one of your die permanently. Or you will complete the challenge and be able to, to collect it. And there's a lot of long-term challenges that are uh, secret to just you that are specifically built around some of these challenges. Uh, the challenges also have an influence on a part of the game called the fold. And the fold is where these giant monsters come out and mess with your characters. And these monsters um, can be fought, but they are so big and so massive that generally speaking, one person will not be strong enough to fight them alone. Everyone's going to have to take a, uh, a swipe at them to, to get anywhere with them. One of the things about the dice combat when it comes to completing a challenge and when it comes to completing the, the monsters is that beyond the novice dice, there's actually, there's actually three additional tiers of dice that then split into two branches. The two symbols that fall under the red branch and the two symbols that fall under the blue branch. And depending on what die that you uh, upgrade to, you will have access to more and more of those symbols that you're looking for, including with the level four guild dice, dice that are specifically going to give you only one specific type of symbol. Now, you're probably wondering, how do I get access to these higher end dice? Is it a space on the board or do I have to do things? Well, at the end of every round, you will have the opportunity to refresh and upgrade a number of dice equal to one of your statistics. We'll talk about statistics in just a moment. When you do refresh these dice, uh, which means that you've used them in either a challenge or in a combat and moved them over to the um, used component on your, your player board, you will then also have the ability to trade them out for the next level up. So if you have novice dice, these basic white dice that are that you start the game with, you will have an opportunity to choose either uh, the initiate dice of the blue track or the red track. Or if you have initiate dice, you'll be able to trade those in for elite dice and elite dice go up to these uh, very, very specific guild dice, which are going to give you the highest chance of getting all the symbols that you need. Now, you're probably wondering what I meant by your statistics. Each player in the game is also going to have a player card that is unique to them, and it's going to have four dials on it. And these represent four particular traits that your hero has, and they correspond to the symbols on the dice and kind of like finish the theme. You have a red symbol called spirit, and that is your stunt power. That's like your physical prowess. You'll have a yellow symbol called focus, and that is all about like the potential that you bring to a challenge or the potential you bring to a monster battle. Uh, you have a, a trait called resilience, and that is your ability to refresh and upgrade your dice. And then you have a blue power called synergy, which is all about unlocking additional cards out of your player-specific deck. As you complete challenges, you will be rolling dice with specific symbols on them, and those symbols then translate to these uh, spinners on your character card and allow you to slowly work up each of these traits to higher and higher levels, unlocking both victory points and additional things in the game. For instance, your synergy allows you to when you hit certain levels in, in it on these spinners, get more of your cards out of your deck and into your hand that give you more um, active and uh, passive powers that, that uh, basically start expanding the rule set as it pertains to your character and allowing you to do more and more with each of your turns. 
Uh, resilience, on the other hand, is your ability to refresh and upgrade dice. And so the higher that level goes, the more dice you'll be able to move from your spent pile into your active pile in between each round. So basically, you send your person to go do certain things. Those things net you sh- um, shells, which act as shields during combat, and fruit, which is your purchasing economy for the game, and an ability to purchase additional dice uh, beyond your, your current capabilities and traits uh, for combat and challenges. You'll then have an opportunity to complete a challenge wherever you happen to be. If you complete a challenge uh, successfully, you get to up the traits related to that challenge, therefore making your uh, character more powerful and and handier in a fight. Uh, And then you're going to rinse and repeat, trying to generate enough victory points to win the game at the end of the game. Now, victory points, it's a bit of a point salad, so to speak. You get victory points for doing a lot of different things in the game. Uh, including anytime you've attacked a monster, you're going to get victory points for dice that you've donated to that. Uh, this is especially important because any die that you use when you fight a monster coming out of the fold uh, is going to be lost forever uh, once it is used up. Uh, you'll have to re-earn it back. Victory points are also awarded for your individual traits and how high you get them. Victory points are rewarded on the champion's board, which sits at the top of the game board and is basically an opportunity for you, uh, everybody to compete moving up. Um, think of it kind of like as a popularity tracker and, and so on and so forth. There's just a ton of different ways that you can make points uh, throughout the game. And that is the basics of uh, Title Blades. It's worker placement with a deck building aspect and some dice combat. Yeah, so I think it's really good to say bring up Lords of Waterdeep. This Maybe not the kindest way to describe this game, but whatever. It's kind of a more fiddly Lords of Waterdeep because instead of just having gold and victory points, you've got victory points, you've got fruit, you've got shells, you've got dice, you've got your guy moving around, blah, blah, blah. Yes. There is a lot more to manage. Yeah. And when we were playing it, it came up, you know, why would I play the, the, or I don't think I'd play this over Lords of Waterdeep with my crew. And that's, perfectly acceptable if lords of Waterdeep is is your jam then and you don't need anything else like i i don't think this will scratch that itch but what it does do is it is it is a more fiddly lords of Waterdeep. like if lords of Waterdeep is getting stale or you've just you know you always end up playing the game the same way this this is a nice shakeup because if you are good at lords of Waterdeep, you, you are going to be good at this game this game just has a lot more to keep track of but it's also a secret weapon right right, right. no, no I'm, you- not, I'm not saying more to keep track of is a bad thing at all it's yeah. it's I mean, Lords of Waterdeep, I would consider a light to medium game. Like, it, it is a game that I would easily take to a group of uh, light players to help them ease into the next kind of um, level of gaming, right? Right. And whereas this is the scratching the same itch, but in a much more advanced way. And with the Turtle Shaman. Because you forgot, did you talk about the Judge moving around? No, I did not talk about the judge. Tell us about the judge. Oh, there's a judge. He's a turtle shaman. He's amazing. And I love the miniature for him. Uh, If you get the basic game, he's the only physical miniature you get, which is great because it's the best one. If you buy the retail copy, it should be said. The Kickstarter version came with minis for everybody. Yeah, he starts in the, what is it? The Krona? I can't remember the island. He starts at one island and he just moves around clockwise. And since there's four turns, he basically starts at an island and ends back at that island when the game's over. And yeah, basically, if you do anything there, you're doing it in front of the judge. That's hence our joke, the showboating in front of the judge, which moves you up the champion's track, which is victory points at the end of the game, basically. But yeah, again, one more thing to keep track of, because yeah, basically you get a bonus for doing things in a specific place 
at specific points of the game. And you know when that's going to be because he moves in the same way every single time. But, you know, managing your stuff to take advantage of that is good. Like, because you get victory points at the end of the game for that. Yeah. And and the reason that's important is because you are going to want to try and appeal to that judge whenever humanly possible because it gets you extra points. But at the same time, they may not always be at the right place for what you need to accomplish in terms of your secret goal. Yeah, there's it's it's very fiddly. It seems a lot more fiddly than you'd think at, at, at first. But once you ease into it, I actually find the the flow of this game to be very appealing once you've learned. It. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, when I say fiddly, there's just there's just a lot to keep track of. And there is a certain it's a much higher learning curve. Yeah, for sure. And, and there is a certain niceness about that, because once you have mastery over that, like it is interesting, you know, and and it's not like I mean, I'm I'm by far not like a super board gamer or anything like uh, and I, I was getting the hang of this by the end of the game, too. So, I mean, it's not like it's 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 an insurmountable wall, but it is one of those things like if you've played Lords of Waterdeep. And then you play this like this. It is your first game will be a learning experience. Yeah. And and it'll it is much more complicated than that. Like, I would definitely play this game again. Like, like, how about this? I would definitely play this game again. I'm not saying don't play it. I I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm just kind of warning you what the uh, what what, what's actually going on with this game, which is. Yeah, yeah. it's important to note that this might not be for everybody. Yes. Um, But this certainly scratches an itch for me personally. Like, I love Lords of Waterdeep, but it does start to feel stale after a while. And this gives me something with a lot more depth then that that you can kind of dive into one thing i didn't look at at all because much like everything i rely on you guys to show me how this game works how oh actually and one thing jonathan one thing one thing if we are ever playing a board game like you me and ray and you and ray have played it like give me the really 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 high high overview of the game and then let you and ray just actually play it because i do not i do not learn games by listening to people talk about rules (laughs) 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 <laughs> like it i i i just completely zone out like i i learned more by watching you take your first turn than i did in that 45 minutes we were going over the rules before we actually started playing so i don't know if that's how brendan works so i i didn't want to say anything but yes next time that happens just just let me go last in the turn order and i will watch how it works with you guys and that is usually how i figure games out more than anything Anyway, sorry. Sorry about that. But anyway, Jonathan, how is that rule book? Because you taught me how to play. I didn't look at the darn thing. Yeah, the rule book is, um, I don't know how to put it. There's aspects of the rule book I really like. There's a lot of play examples that are given within the context of the game that make it easy to, to understand a specific action or a specific um, turn type, right? Right. But the rule book isn't necessarily laid out in the fashion that I wanted to consume the information. Now, that's not fair to the rule book because everybody learns a little bit differently, right? But I found the fiddliness of the game to not be explained in a way that made it easy to pick up until we dove in and started operating the mechanisms, at which time everything came sharply into focus and made perfect sense. The other downside of the rule book is there's no index of any sort uh, and no table of contents, making it harder to go back into it and find it. Additionally, while it's great that they did this as a separate book, it, it kind of splits the information a little bit, which was a little frustrating. There's a second book in the game called The Almanac, and The Almanac has a bunch of different stuff in it. So number one, it's got... I guess there's an index in The Almanac. Is there an index in the other one? Let me see. Oh, there is a, a very small table of contents in the beginning, uh, but it, does, it, it only gives you a very rough overview of like game setup, game overview, round overview, round end, end of game scoring. 
uh, it certainly doesn't go into the nitty gritty than an index would and and or specific rules would. Now this almanac goes in and it gives you um, an overview of each character's specific cards, which is kind of nice because it gives you an idea of what may come up in their um, deck as you start to build it out. And then it gives you rules for advanced play, uh, which really does shake up the game quite a bit. And there's also even advanced monsters that are much harder to kill than the ones that we saw. Uh, and then also gives you a breakdown of all the different action spaces within the game at all the different islands, um, helping to cl- clarify any uh, wording that might be um, a little funky. And then also breaks out the rules for a two-player game and a solo mode. And yeah, that's that's kind of the second book. So it, it's got core rules and actions in one book, and then it's got some explanation and others in the second book. And I don't know, splitting it out wasn't necessarily the way I would have gone. Uh, certainly not having an index hurts the experience a bit. All right, well, let's talk about what actually helps the experience quite a bit. Uh, the components. Man, this is a good-looking game, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a shame you didn't get the Kickstarter because miniatures are cool. The world is cool. It's beautiful. Like the art is gorgeous. The actual physical components and the the quality of the the cardboard and the print is is gorgeous as well. Like it's just a it's a fine game. It looks yeah, beautiful. Yeah, all the islands are supposed to be basically in a tropical archipelago, and so there's you know it's very palm tree tree and like clear water and sandy beaches and it, yeah, it's just oh, it is very nice to look at. It's it, it definitely has like a vibe, and I was looking at uh like some of the stuff on uh Board Game Geek. And people were showing pictures of their Kickstarter edition, which has like a map, which I love maps and, and all this other jazz. And it's like, you know, it's pretty obvious. Like there, there's more to this world. Like they're going to do other stuff with it. Well, they even put part one on the front of the box. Yeah. The components are great. They're very colorful. They're very lively. Uh, it's a nice, it's got a nice color palette. A lot of games are kind of dour and this one's very, you know, pastels and, you know, light colors. The, the visual language of the game, especially with the iconology, is very good once you learn it. Uh, again, there's a learning curve, but once you get over that curve, everything is laid out beautifully. Like, all the information you need is there. So, yeah, yeah. Thumbs up on the components. I really like them. Anything off in the execution? Uh, I think we I, I went over it. It's just fiddly. I mean, that would be my thing. But I, I, There's more. Hmm, there's on. more I want to talk about here okay. in this particular section. Um, because you're right. It is fiddly. Uh, but I think that speaks more to learning curve than anything else, because once you get over it, like on my fourth or fifth playthrough, I, I never got frustrated with the fiddliness at that point. Like I, I knew it, it. It spoke to me. I understood it. It was all good. The solo game mode. I mean, I'll be honest. It just doesn't speak to me. It's not for me. Um, I didn't think it needed to be added. It felt like superfluous and not in a good way. And the two player game mode it just doesn't work as well as having three or more players because um, with two players in there, it, it just there's an AI player and all it's doing is running amok and taking up spaces. It, but there's no real good solid rhyme or reason to it. It's not a good approximation of an uh, of a human character, and that kind of just makes it annoying, more annoying than anything else. Lords of Waterdeep solves that problem by just giving you more actions. I wonder if that would have been a better idea then. I don't know. I don't know. Because this game is so, like, laser-focused on how many actions you have. You you have a set number of actions each game. I'm just saying, like, if you got one or two more actions in a two-player variant than if you did if you played it three or four. You, you know, if they couldn't make that work, which it didn't seem like they could, I, I would have rather them just not put a two-player mode in at all and just said that this is a game for three to five players. That would have been fine with me. Well, I should say three to four in the core book. 
Or the core box. Yeah, and the expansion adds a fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is another thing that I kind of have a complaint about. The expansion, if I'm to be 100% honest, I'm super glad I have it. I'm super glad I bought it. I really, truly feel that it should have been included in the core box. And I, as a gamer, would have been more than willing to pay the extra money to get that material in the core box because, to me, it feels essential. It gives the game enough additional variety to give it a bit more... Well, it adds in a whole in new island with like three different spaces on it, and one of those, yeah, and they're all and, really and those good spaces. spaces. Really, really uh, are are change the gameplay aspect up. Yeah, and the new character in the fifth player expansion is neat and does a lot too. And I, I would have liked to have seen it all be included together, and then just been marketed as a a three to five player game. I think that would have been the the, the better choice in splitting it apart, because honestly, this expansion is is kind of mandatory, and putting them together wouldn't have made it that that expensive. We've seen games like that hit the market before, and they do fine. All right, Jonathan. So tell me one last thing about this game as we wrap this up in a tight little bow. I really, really ended up enjoying the living daylights out of this game. There is definitely a learning curve that you will go through to get to a level of familiarity with it. But once you achieve that, this is a lovely, lovely experience. And it's got depth for days. And I really like the things that it mixes together. I like the dice combat i like the push your luck aspects that are built into the dice combat i also really really like the limited number of actions that you have because it makes everything feel like it has importance and it's amazing because at the beginning of the game you feel totally constricted and by the end of the game you're able to do so many things with just these few actions it it really does give you a great feeling of growth that your character has in fact grown and that is that is awesome um, I also love the world, I love the design, and I absolutely love the art. So this is just, it ended up being this strong, beautiful package for me. It really came together. But yeah, if you're going to get it, get the expansion too, because it really should be just essential kit with this game. Yeah, my one last thing is, I am one of those games where uh, theme can go a really, really long way with me. There's games that I have absolutely no business liking, but if just... I, I find the setting or whatever imaginative, uh, I can really, really get behind it. And I gotta, I gotta say like that, the, the experience with this game, I really, I just really, really like the world. Like the world building was great just with what's communicated on the board with this, with this space. Like I wanted to know more about it and, you know, like credit to, to the people, like, you know, coming up with a board game experience where it's that imaginative, just looking at it uh is is quite a feat and i want to i want to give them some credit for that like this this game is just it's it's pretty and it has this interesting world and i want to know more about it and yeah it just it it did make me enjoy the game more because you know i felt like we keep saying it's lords of Waterdeep, but the way that they set everything up with the judge and with the monsters and stuff like having having it be a tournament where you're trying to become a champion where you're trying to become the title blade like i got it like i i, I was feeling that and i really like that feeling like i'm i'm trying to you know, I'm trying to be the very best like no one ever was, you know, <laughs> it, it gives the whole experience a bit more urgency, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I really I really enjoyed it for that. It did a really good job sort of communicating what it wanted to be. And it, it, there's a lot of games where you can't say that a lot, a lot. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our title blades deep dive, which means we are at the end of our episode, Robert. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred nine. A short one, but a tasty one. Yeah, we've been talking for a bit about this game. 
anyway, we'll see. So that is, of course, the close of episode 109 of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Once again, join us on all of our digital domains. We would love to hear from you. Discord really does seem to be the one that's taken off as the uh, fan favorite right now. Uh, And, Robert, that leaves us with one more thing, which is any final thoughts? I'm really trying to get Ray to do an audiobook version of The Repair of Reputations uh, out of The King in Yellow. Because his Delta Green thing that he did with what is Delta Green, it started off kind of straight-laced. And as it went on, the guy got more and more unhinged and, and passionate. And I'm like reading the story with that energy would be really fun to listen to. So I don't know. I mean, you know, telling a guy, it's like, Hey, can you put like your actual job on hold and just make something fun for me? Cause, (laughs) 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 but I don't know. He did, he did a really good job with that audio. I really, really liked it. It was fun. Did you ever listen to it? No, it's all. I remind me tomorrow when I'm not wind burnt and exhausted. I will definitely Okay, I'm going to go fish up the link right now. That's on the RPG channel. So yeah, come take a look. I mean, we got cool stuff over on the Discord. Like Ray reading crazy stories or crazy copy about what is Delta Green. It is hilarious. And I'm sending it to you on your phone so you can listen to it tomorrow. Or maybe it'll remind me to... I don't know. I don't know. Perfect. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode, which means there is, of course, one last thing we need to do, and that is Robert. Be excellent to one another. And party on. Party on, Jonathan. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 